So we'll have a, a sitting for about 20 minutes, first of all. I'm sure you've all been uh, welcomed already. But, uh, I also would like to welcome everyone here. It's very good to see so many of you gathered. Uh, some of you are new faces, some are very familiar. So it's, um, it's, I always find these um, occasions of, uh, of retreat together that uh, even though we might be unfamiliar, um, at the beginning, that even though we might not even know each other's names, that uh, we might feel, in some senses, we're we're strangers to each other by the time the the retreat is finished. Some um, a great uh, fellowship and uh, fondness grows up. It's like being on a a, a sea voyage together. You you get to know the other passengers, the crew, and the the nooks and crannies around the ship. What the uh, you know, having been through a um, a journey together. One of the things that is is always useful to consider at the beginning of a, a period of time like this um, is uh, is why are we here? What has uh, what's brought us to this place at this time? What's our, our, our motivation, our interest, our intention? And we're probably here for all kinds of different reasons. Um, but it's, uh, it's a matter of uh, just looking, considering you know, what, uh, what has brought me here, what am I... Um, aiming to find, what am I um, hoping to get rid of, what, uh, what am I seeking? Well, one of the, the, uh, the qualities that, I, that uh, you often find with a retreat, particularly at a place like IMS, which is, uh, many of you oh. have probably done numerous retreats here and all worked on staff here over many years. This is becoming a, a, a venerable institution now. This is um, coming on retreats together is often like um, a kind of favored, favored holiday resort where you, know, you and uh, old friends and family, you, know, you keep going back there year after year. It's like, a, like an, old, uh, an old shoe that you just it fits and you like it. And so that, um, you know, the, there can be that uh, along with the, the kind of insights and um, uh, uh, spiritual blessings that come from a, a, 
a situation like this, there's also a, um, overtly there can be m- as much of a sense of um, coming back to our, our home, coming back to our spiritual family, spending time in our favorite place with our favorite people. And, uh, and there's a, that's a, a kind of rare quality in our life. I was um, this is crossing my mind today, like how uh, we, um, how much, you know, retreat like this can be, sort of a chance to to be together with our, our um, friends, companions, uh, our kind of um, familiar surroundings, and that quality of returning to where we most like to be, like a like our favorite resort, but actually. Um, it isn't just functioning on a um, external level at all, because what a retreat is about is really returning to um, what's really our favorite resort, which is um, the peaceful heart. That's our, um, where we can really have a good holiday. We can uh, really enjoy ourselves. Is where uh, we find that quality within us, where there is uh, peace, where there is joy, where there is um, a quality of well-being, of completion. Nothing to do, nothing to not do. Everything is, is fine. And so it's finding that kind of the ultimate, the ultimate beach within our own hearts that uh, the... the uh, the, the beach that we never have to go home from that uh, is what a retreat is is for it's a a situation where we are of maximizing the um, supportive qualities where we can uh, look within and to to find a way to that uh, uh, the pure heart the um, the true nature of our own mind, our own being, original mind, whatever you want to call it, that which is the very basis of our of consciousness of of our life, and that's all it's really for. You know, all of the the um, the structures. I'm, I'm sure that uh, since arriving here, you've had a, uh, a host of um, directions and do's and don'ts and and pointers and uh, and during you know the retreat, you know, and, and taking the precepts and so forth, there is a dozens of, of a kind of conventions and structures that we we apply, and uh, and all of the difficult work that we we go through, you know, sitting for long periods of time, the body aching and feeling restless and uh, confused or um, depressed, agitated, whatever it might be. You know, these are, are we all experience you know, difficult, uncomfortable states of mind during the course of a, of a, um, a period of, of retreat. But the purpose of the whole thing is it's so simple. It's really just that discovery of um, that very foundation of our own of our own heart that's always been with us. That is is with us right now. It's not. This is not an abstraction. But the very 
fundamental, unconditioned quality of our own heart. Just to know that, to realize that that is what is real. And to, to learn to abide with that. That's all that uh, this whole process is for. Because with that, then we find that uh, our life is consummated, that our life is, is, uh, is complete, that there's a quality of, of uh, fulfillment and joy that uh, we cannot find through any other means that is not uh, uh, discernible, not, uh, cannot be established through, through any other means of uh, kind of rearranging the objects of our world, our, our career, our geographical location, our, friend, you know, our contact with, with friends or partners, that none of that that we can alter on the external level or, or even alter internally in terms of our thoughts or ideas re- you know, by reading, reading books or, or filling the, the senses with different concepts, that uh, none of that is really capable of satisfying um, of, uh, of providing that quality of, of, secu- of security. Uh, the, um, the whole process of, of our retreat situation then is trying to encourage us to look inward. I mean, this is probably not news to, to most of you, but uh, just to restate what um, is uh, so familiar to us. Simply by that process of looking inward and seeing how, uh, how our minds work, how we deal with success and failure, happiness and unhappiness, optimism, pessimism, the beautiful and the painful, then we begin to unravel the knots of our own heart. We begin to, to see where it is we get stuck, where we get carried away. What are the habits of mind that continually obstruct that innate brilliance and purity of, of uh, the mind's own nature? And by seeing that, by seeing what the, uh, the habitual obstructions and conditioning is, we begin to be able to loosen it. We can, we can identify it, we can see how it functions and no longer be so confused, uh, deluded, carried away by that. So all the, the structures of a, of a retreat the, um, are there to support this quality of, of looking inward. So uh, a lot of these are based around self-surrender. You know, the routine that we have, um, the schedule of you know, getting up in the morning, coming to all of the sittings, doing the, wa- doing the walking meditation, um, being there for... Um, the things on time and so forth. You know, we establish a, you know, a firm routine. This takes uh, um, self-surrender. I've been living in Buddhist monasteries since 1978, so, uh, twenty over 20 years now, and this is a, an abiding theme <laughs> of having to put aside what I might feel like doing because you know, the bell's gone. It's time to go. Put it down whatever it is you're doing, time to go. And even in the tiniest gestures of, um, of surrendering or giving up what it is that we're kind of aiming towards or, or, 
or that we might be um, preferring to do, just to say, put that down, time to go. Even just simple gestures like that have a tremendously powerful effect, just to remind us that, you know, we can put it down, we can be ready to go, we can let go of our own self-concern to participate in something which is, which is larger, which is grander. The, uh, the disciplines that, that we establish around, um, around sleep, around food, um, around decision-making, like now, for, from now until the end of the retreat, you know, the, the most dramatic decision you have to make is, you know, where, where shall I do my walking meditation? Or what kind of salad dressing shall I have today? Which kind of cereal for breakfast? Yeah. I mean, you can spend like three or four hours on such questions if you, <laughs> if you really put your mind to it. But the, the, the whole point, structure of a retreat is designed to minimize the, even the decision-making that we, we have to do so that it's tr- you're trying to create life as simple as possible so that there's as plain a backdrop as possible. So, with a, with a clear screen, then the um, habitual creations of mind, the, the projections of mind, uh, are so visible, clearly visible. If the screen is kind of mobile and complicated and multicolored and, and uh, three-dimensional, then the images projected on that screen, it's really hard to tell, you know, what's the screen and what's, what are the projections. It's all mushed up together. So that with a, a retreat situation, all we're trying to do is create a, a, a clear plain screen so that um, all of the, the qualities of our own life, what it feels like to be male, what it feels like to be female, what uh, the, the coloration of our memories, our hopes, our fears, our, the way we identify with the, the personality, the body, our life um, failures and achievements, uh, so on and so forth. All of that is projected. Yeah, day after day, hour after hour, we, we see those patterns, those uh, identities, those masks uh, displayed before us. And then in that display, we begin to understand them and know them clearly. Also with, um, uh, with this retreat, this is kind of an unusual retreat that, that, uh, for IMS. This is a sort of uh, dip into um, the traditions and conventions of, of uh, monastic life. We try to set these, these um, retreats up as if this was just a retreat in the monastery, so we have the same kind of routine and we don't pull any punches. So uh, this is the kind of temporary monastery that we have here, where, um, the uh, and that the um, so, so for some of you maybe the, you know, the conventions of of um, a more traditional approach to to Buddhist practice, having you know, the the shrine with candles and flowers and incense and bowing and chanting, um, probably more reference. Um, then you might be accustomed to to the, the Buddha's teachings, the word of the Buddha, um, the, uh, the just the quality of, of ritual and and uh, hierarchy and these kind of qualities. This is um, uh, kind of an unfamiliar picture within the kind of American psyche, 
And so, uh, there be- largely because there's, there has been very little monasticism of any kind in this country. And so the, the, the role of, or the archetype of the, the monastic, the, the nun or the monk, is, is kind of a remote or hazy figure in most people's minds and how, how that works. And also, I say, within, within this kind of style of practice, um, the, the, the ritual quality and the, um, and the, the, the gestures, of, uh, overt gestures of, of um, self-surrender or, or, um, or bowing, looking up to the, the, um, uh, the Buddha, Dharma, Sangha and so forth, these, uh, these can seem to be uh, quite un-American things to be doing. This is, uh, I realize this is the land of the, uh, the rugged individualist. And uh, even you know, like Massachusetts is a kind of keystone of the, 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 uh, the revolt against the tyranny of the British. <laughs> the brown coats are coming, the brown coats are coming. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But it, it's also important to, you know, that even though that in this country you know, people are brought up, say, you know, I'm, an, I'm a free individual, I don't bow to anybody. That's a noble principle, and, and it's worthwhile. And when, in respect to the, uh, uh, the quality of egalitarianism, seeing that in truth, it's, it's absolutely true that no one human being is intrinsically worth any more than any other. And so that um, that, that kind of um, reversion against the kind of... Um, Class structure and aristocracy and so forth that that, um, that happened in this country it was a, it was a powerful and, and, and good force, but then it's like anything in in the world if you you take a, a particular issue or structure or convention and then you worship the convention then um, it, it ceases to be um, uh, useful for the purpose that it was originally intended you know like um if you take a, um, uh, my own teacher, Ajahn Sumedha, would often use a, an analogy of, of being um, someone being stuck inside a prison. And then um, they're sitting inside a prison cell and they think, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful, wouldn't it be wonderful if I had a key? It would be so, so helpful if I could get out of this place. And then suddenly one day you know, a, a key appears under the door. I say, oh, hurrah, hurrah, at last, I have a key, I can get out. And so then um, they try the key in the lock and the, and the, the door opens. And think, oh, marvelous, the, you know, the door is open, I'm free. And then rather than actually kind of leaving the, the, um, the cell behind, they, they make a little shrine for the key and they stay in the cell worshipping the key. Because <laughs> this key has released them, it's released me, I'm, I'm free, I can go. It's like, but you never actually take advantage of the, the freedom because you're so busy worshipping the key. And so, um, the whole point of the key is to get you out of the prison. So similarly, with um, the conventions of, of Buddhist practice, the, you know, the, um, the ritual, the um, bowing, chanting, um, paying respect, the hierarchy of, that exists, and so forth, these are all just the conventions. These are just keys. And so that... Um, they're not kind of absolute value judgments, so that it's say bowing to the to the Buddha, 
um, and uh, paying reverence to the Buddha. This is um, this is not like an act of kind of abject submission, but just it's a way of uh, recognizing there are some things in life that are, are are more worthy of looking up to than my ego. There is um, there is qualities in life that are 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 valuable, are beautiful, are are pure, are liberating, and they are worthy of honor, worthy of respect. They are, they are worthy of, of attempting to make more of a priority than my own fears and uh, aversions and passions, which um, so regularly confuse my mind. So it's really looking at those qualities of wisdom, of truth, uh, of, of virtue, of integrity within us, that are our, the powers of our own, of our own mind, our own heart, and like raising them up and saying, it's better to be wise than to be stupid. <laughs> it's better to be um, to be with the truth than to be with illusion. It's better to be um, to live with integrity than uh, to live with um, fickleness, instability. And that's what we—that's what it means when we bow to the shrine, bowing to Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. Is simply bowing to wisdom, to truth, to virtue, which are the, the qualities of our own being. So it's an external act, which is um, symbolic and um, only useful if it helps us to to arouse, to to remember, and to arouse those qualities within us. That's the point of it. Um, so that you know, if you regard the use of conventions in this way, the, the chanting, the bowing, the, the, for, the formalism of, um, of, a, 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 of a, a retreat. Also, you know, I, I also see in a place like IMS, there are uh, like dozens of conventions that are already heavily established here that you know, if, if you offend them, then... You, know, you might think that this is a kind of liberated place, but, but uh, when I was talking with Libby about setting the retreat up, I said, well, maybe we should just put a blanket over the bulletin board. <laughs> Have no notes at all. And she had this shocked look on her face. Of, no, bulletin board! <laughs> but, 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 you know, like, if you cover the bulletin board, then IMS is going to evaporate, you know. It's going to atomize and dissolve into the ether. What would IMS be without the bulletin board? And I said, well, there's no other place where I do retreats where they have a bulletin board. <laughs> you know, what? <laughs> How can this be? You know? <laughs> yeah, but it's just a, a simple example, but um, it's interesting, isn't it, how we, we become, our life becomes ritualized in many ways. Or like if you, you put your, your wrap down on a particular cushion, you think, okay, this is my place. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of pitching my camp for the retreat, and then, and then you come along, and someone's moved your wrap. I mean, take careful note of the emotions that arise, <laughs> because you know the convention is: if I put my my thing there, this means this is my place, and you, someone moves it, and then they've offended your convention. But it, you know what's happened? It's just you know, it's just an object is put down, then it moves. <laughs> Before you walked in the room, that wasn't your cushion. 
then it becomes, you know, you, you, choose, you choose one, then that becomes my cushion. The sense of ownership has landed, has, has, has um, been created in your mind and has taken hold of that object. And then some, something else, uh, someone else comes in and moves your, moves your wrap and then you, and you can get homicidal over these things. Who? Who was it? <laughs> you know, I'll wait by the door and see. <laughs> see who sits down there and then I'll get him. You know. So the whole purpose, uh, the whole usefulness of, of conventions is so that, or, or the way to best understand conventions, um, is that it's, you're using structures you're using conventions in order to see that which is beyond the convention. You're, you're using um, conventional reality to help us to recognize the ultimate reality. That's what it's for. You know, if you get stuck on the convention, then you, you are, you're lost. We're not here to become good meditators. We're not even here to become good Buddhists. That's not what the, what the practice is for. We're not here to, to kind of create a set of ideals and conventions and then, and then tie our heart to them. But these are structures and forms and words and, and symbols that can be used to catalyze a transformation of the heart so that we can be awake, we can be wise, we can be compassionate. That's what we can do. And that this, this potential is here within us. And if the, if the tools, um, if we're not using the tools in the right way, then they won't they won't help us to do that. And it doesn't matter how faithfully you adhere to the convention, no matter how kind of true you are to the, to the system, to the method, following the formula to the letter, if you don't see that this is just a formula, this is just a meditation technique, this is just a, an agreed-upon structure by human beings, then it, it can't liberate us. It's like you can be with all faithfulness, totally obedient to the you know, the, the rules of the retreat and all the meditation instruction and following it diligently. But if there's still that in the heart which is saying, I am doing this practice, and it's a, um, that is a, okay, uh, taken as an, as an absolute reality. There is this technique, I am doing it. I am getting better at this technique. <laughs> Even though on one level that may be, you know, uh, there's an there are some improvements going on, as long as we still cast the practice in, some, in terms of something I am doing to make my life better, then it's still, the, 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 the practice, the Dhamma, is still something which is being tacked on to my life. We, we wear it like a, uh, a piece of clothing or a, uh, a credential. It's something that's that's additional to my life, and and uh, but where liberation comes, and hopefully during the course of this retreat we can begin to um, develop insight into this and realization of this. That liberation comes when we we let our life dissolve into the Dhamma, where the me, the the I, the the doer, the meditator, the the Buddhist. <laughs> dissolves and then there's just the Dhamma and there's nobody there's no person practicing it there's just the Dhamma being itself realizing its own nature
Now the, the key to this is so much and, and why the kind of external um, expressions of self-surrender are, are um, so helpful, at least I find, is like is a kind of constant um, recollection of, of um, letting go of self. It's because that, that very feeling of, of selfhood, the very feeling of I and me and mine, the sense of ownership, is the, the prime... Uh, the prime obstruction to our own freedom, our own fulfillment. So th- this morning uh, we went to visit um, Spencer Abbey, and uh, there's a, a monk there who I- I'm helping to. Um, he and I are part of a, a committee organizing a Christian Buddhist conference in the, the Bay Area in California next year. So I took the opportunity to go and visit him and. And I was reminded that it was uh, it, this is Holy Week. Well, this is this is our Holy Week. <laughs> this is this is our Good Friday when uh, our retreat begins. <laughs> our Holy Week goes on longer than the Christian one. So. But this is the uh, the, the kind of um, Catholic and Episcopalian Holy Week has been this week, and so today's Good Friday. And uh, I was re- reminded that. Um, Ajahn Buddha Dasa, who was um, a very well-known uh, philosopher, monk in Thailand, and a meditation, great meditation master, he was heavily involved in ecumenical activity in Thailand and um, used to teach regularly at a Christian seminary um, there, and also was in, was one of the was instrumental in helping to translate the Bible into Thai, and um, so. Uh, one of the things that he, um, in, in the course of one of these um, instructions that he was giving to the uh, the um, seminarians at this theological college, he uh, he said that um, the the crucifix uh, you can look upon as being the letter I deleted. is like that this is what the the crucifixion of Jesus is about is it's like is about the complete letting go of the sense of i and that that's that was as he could understand it the message that uh, was there and that uh, by letting go by seeing the sense of of i and self and uh, Seeing through that, letting go of that, not being dominated by that—that that is how death is conquered. Like the 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 symbol of of Jesus on the cross is is the symbol of the conquest of death. It's in the Christian symbolism, that's that's what it's supposed to mean. And you know, it, again, I mean, these are just kind of toying with symbols and conventions. So, if you have serious reactions to Christian symbolism, kind of switch off here. For <laughs> You don't have to listen to this bit, but uh, you know you w- it won't have escaped your notice that this place used to be a, a Christian um, institution, and that it has still have some kind of Christian stained glass panels around here and different odds and ends. And using that uh, that symbol, like this is this is what the conquest of death is about. If we let go of the born, we realize the unborn, we let go of the, the, the sense of self, which is the kind of nucleus of, of um, 
the uh, delusion, the, the key delusion of life, then we begin to see clearly. And also, you know, when we, we even just using the term self-surrender, you know, this is this is a country where there's a tremendous um, emphasis on you know being an individual, not depending on anyone, kind of sustaining your or fulfilling your life through your own integrity, your own self-reliance. I mean, this is a major force in in American life, and so when you just talking about self-surrender, seems like a kind of capitulation or giving up or a weakness, you know, just surrender, you know, just, just the word, something in us doesn't feel like doing that. There's the kind of resistance we can experience. I mean, obviously this is generalizations, but these influences are, are here in our minds. But it's really crucial to recognize that when we, um, when we follow a routine, when we, when we bow, when we train the, the, when we aim the mind at a particular kind of meditation practice, like, you know, just doing mindfulness of breathing, there's an immense amount of self-surrender involved because, you know, the thinking mind does not want to stay with that really boring breath. You know, the breath is, the mo- is very unexciting, very uninteresting. And the thinking mind would far rather be going off and doing much more interesting things. So every time that the, the thinking mind is, is kind of raging and wandering and chasing around, then there's an act of, of surrender. Say, no, let go. Come back to the breath. And so, it's much more helpful to, to recognize that it's ra- rather than self-surrender, um, maybe it's better to talk about not self-surrender. Because what's being surrendered, what's being let go of, is not self. What's being let go of is what we are not. That, uh, that the whole point of, of, uh, of letting go, of recognizing where we are caught up or clinging or, or carried away, uh, is that uh, the heart is attaching itself to, to what we are not to the body, to the personality, to memories, to ideas about the future, the past, to projections about the people around us, to um, the whole multifarious um, web of uh, perceptions and and assumptions and creations uh, in uh, in all that we perceive and think and feel. And that, uh, as the Buddha pointed out, this is this is not self. Sabe sankara anatta. All conditioned things are not self. This is not who and what we are. This is not me. This is not what I am. This is not myself. And so that, that rather than in that quality of relinquishment, um, all we're letting go of is the illusions about uh, what we thought we were, what we, what we think we are. And that in that relinquishment, we are able to recognize what we truly are. And as, until that relinquishment takes place, then that, that realization is impossible. The two are it's intrinsically related together. It's only when that, that uh, we, uh, we let go, we stop identifying with what we're not, then we recognize what is, what is, what is true, what is real.
the other thing, at, um, this one last point that I'd like to, um, I always like to stress at the beginning of, of such retreats is to, to make a clear intention. You know, whether this is your first retreat or you're, you know, you're an old timer or you've done you know, retreats with other people, you've never done retreats with us before. Um, however it might be for you, just to, to make a really clear intention to um, recognize expectations and judgments as exactly that. That you know, expectations will arise. That you you know you might be really afraid of what's going to come up in your mind, or you might be really um, and full of anticipation for kind of bright and, and beautiful mind states. Um, you you know you might have you know good or, or bad memories of any kind of other retreats, or, or um, have full of expectations about you know what what you might you know, hear us say in the Dharma talks and what insights you might have. It's natural, it's utterly natural for expectations to arise. When you're faced with the unknown, the thinking mind creates something to fill it up with. Anything will do. You know, any old garbage. You know, wonderful fantasies, um, horrible monsters, um, or just um, a sea of opinions. You name it, anything will do. It doesn't really matter. But that's, that's the mind's tendency. So just to expect a certain amount of anticipation and expectation to arise and to, to make it clear in your heart that, to not believe in it and not to reject it, but just to, just to recognize these are expectations. They come, they go, they change. Let's get back to reality. So that you're, you're not um, dwelling upon or trying to just force your mind to stop creating such, uh, such expectations at the beginning of a retreat or judgments, you know, seeing opinions about what you like, what you don't like, how it should be, how it shouldn't be. Really clearly see or at least make the effort to see this is my mind creating an opinion. This is my mind saying it should be like this or it would be much better if it was like that or I don't see why we have to <laughs> do this or See, oh, this is an opinion, this is a judgment, aha. I don't have to suppress this, I don't have to follow it, I don't have to believe it. It's just a judgment. It comes, it goes, it changes, that's all. And then, to, on the, ba- on the basis, then make it clear within your heart that I intend to learn from everything. The pleasant experiences, the unpleasant experiences, um, what I approve of, what I disapprove of, what I like, what I dislike, um, my, my great insights, my painful gnashings and thrashings and wailings, and other people's gnashings and thrashings and wailings. You know, I will determine to learn from this. So you're sharing a room with someone who, who has, uh, talks in their sleep or snores or <laughs> has, um, sits up meditating all night or kind of... Just, Furiously writing a journal till two in the clock in the morning. <laughs> say, okay. What did he say? Learn from everything. <laughs> Some things are more difficult to learn from than others, but the, that if we make that, if we set that intention, then um, we will really be using this time to the to the very fullest extent that it's possible to use. 
As if we go into this thinking, I want to get a particular kind of mind state, or I want to be able to have certain insights, or I want to have certain experiences or certain qualities of inspiration, then as, you, as we go along, then the things are going to constantly disappoint us. Or that when they get good, then we'll get really excited and think, oh great, now it's going well. And then that, of course, sets us up for misery when, it, when that stops happening. You know, that, uh, I know for myself that, that that very thought, ah, now we're getting somewhere. You, you can like feel the hook kind of <laughs> going down the gullet. <laughs> Oops. We set ourselves up for, for misery because um, we are then taking refuge in a beautiful, wholesome mind state. And even though it might be beautiful and wholesome, it is just a mind state. And that that intrinsically cannot last. It, it cannot be a refuge. It has to change. That's its nature. That's all it can do. So, um, when the beautiful and, and, and lovely insights and experiences come, then we recognize, oh, this is the delicious. Aha. Uh-huh. This is what deliciousness is like. A beautiful mind state. Uh-huh. This is what it's like. And then we know it and we let it go. And then when kind of painful, agonizing memories or, or fears or intense irritation arises, then, aha, this is irritation. To know it, to let it go. And then when we have that, that resolution to make, to turn everything into that which we learn from, then nothing can go wrong with the retreat. Absolutely nothing can go wrong. Even if you get you know, a ruptured appendix, you know, that's not, there's nothing going wrong. It's just, it's turned into a different kind of retreat. <laughs> you didn't expect it, you didn't call for it, but you realize, here I am with a ruptured appendix, and uh, oh, isn't that how wonderful, how all these people are helping me, and people are so kind, and, and uh, you find there's lessons to learn, and that you don't actually need to create suffering out of it. There might be intense physical pain at that time, but you realize, oh, even with this, it's up to me whether I turn this into a problem or not. There's pain, but I don't have to make it into a problem. I don't have to create suffering out of it. Aha! So that's how to use the retreat situation. Not thinking, oh dear, I've gone ill, my retreat is ruined. Not so. Not so. So, uh, many of you have traveled long distances today to get here, and so um, we'll just finish the evening with the uh, formal taking of the eight precepts. So, um, this is on in your uh, folders, I think it's in the green section on uh, page 59, is the eight precepts. So the, for those of you who are not familiar with this, the, the way that this is uh, customarily done is um, that the, 
the request is made all together. So this is the, the, the words of the request for the eight precepts done as a group are Mayang Bhante Tisaranena Saha Atta Silani Yachama. Okay, so maybe would you like to leave it with them? Yeah. So the glorious Gloria will help lead things. Um, so uh, the, um, the request is done by all of you together and then after that I will say the Namatasa three times and then uh, after I finish the third time then you respond by repeating Namatasa three times and then after that I'll say one line and then you follow one line all the way through the rest of it. Saranang 
Dutiyampi Sanghang Saranangha Chami Dutiyampi Sanghang Saranangha Chami Tatiyampi Budhang Saranangha Chami Tatiyampi dhamang saranangga chami Tatiyampi dhamang saranangga chami Tatiyampi sanghang saranangga chami Tatiyampi sanghang saranangga chami Tisaranagamanang nititang Anati Pata Veramani Sikapadang Samadiami Anati Pata Veramani Sikapadang Samadiami I undertake the precept to refrain from taking the life of any living creature. Adina dana veratmani sikapadang samadhyami. Adina dana veratmani sikapadang samadhyami. I undertake the precept to refrain from taking that which is not given. Abrahmacharya Veratmani Sikapadang Samadhyami Abrahmacharya Veratmani Sikapadang Samadhyami I undertake the precept to refrain from any kind of sexual activity. Musavada Veratmani Sikapadang Samadhyami Musavada Veratmani Sikapadang Samadhyami I undertake the precept to refrain from false and harmful speech. Sura Miraya Majapamadatana Veratmani Sikapadang Samadhyami Sura I undertake the precept to refrain from consuming intoxicating drink and drugs which lead to carelessness. Vikala bhojana veratmani sikapadang samadhyami Samadhyami. 
I undertake the precept to refrain from eating at inappropriate times. This next one we'll do in chunks. Nacha Gita Vadita Visukadasana Malaghanda Vilepana Dharana Mandana Vipusanatana Veratmani Sikapadang Samadhyami I undertake the precept to refrain from entertainment, beautification and adornment. Ucha sayana maha sayana veratmani sikapadang samadhyami Ucha sayana maha sayana veratmani sikapadang samadhyami I undertake the precept to refrain from using a high luxurious sleeping place. Imani Atasika Padani Samadhyami Sikapadani Sirena Sugatinyandi Sirena Boga Sambara Sirena Nebutinyanti Tasama Silang Viso Daye So welcome on board. Always feel like when you hear this kind of the whole group pronouncing the eight precepts with with uh, one voice and with vigor, then it's like the ship pulling off from the dock and the the ropes being dragged through the water and the anchor pulled up and the cliffs getting smaller and smaller. So we're heading out into open water now. So. Uh, enjoy the trip. Um, we can finish the evening with the something uh, the Buddha's teaching on loving kindness, which is th- page thirty-six. It's the second one there.
This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech. Humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud and demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove, wishing in gladness and in safety may all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, May all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another even as a mother protects with her life a child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world.
disciples who have